Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if you're going to praise him, you might as well not play with it tonight. If you still got a praise in you, you might as well not play with it tonight. Why don't you give God a hand clap of praise for all of our guests that are in the building with us tonight. Come on, we can do better than that. Make some noise for all of our guests that are here tonight. Welcome to Sunday Night Live at the Rock Church. We, we apologize for being so laid back tonight. But we promise you if you come back, we'll really get with it and have church. You came on a, you came on a, on a calm night. I still see ties around people's necks. You came on a calm night. <laughs> My shoes still ain't shined while I was preaching. We, you came on a calm night. You excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Let me remind you, next Sunday is going to be off the chain in this building. Resurrection Sunday. Listen, get here early. This place will be packed. The balcony will probably be full. We'll be sitting down. If you want a good seat, you got to get here early. Amen. And uh, our, our, our theatrical ministry will be presenting a piece that they wrote, have directed, uh, called Broken. You don't want to miss it. Bring, bring it, everybody. Tell your neighbor, everybody. Mama Nim, Aunt Bootsy, Uncle Frankie, Cousin Tito. Bring everybody. It's going to be amazing. God's going to do some amazing things on Sunday for Resurrection Sunday. We're excited about that. And uh, there's no telling what God's going to do in this place. Amen. Amen. How many of you were blessed by the word of the Lord in this place this morning? Amen. Brother Godwin, we want you to come and just deliver whatever God's put on your heart. We're ready to shout. We're ready to, to repent. We're ready to do whatever it is that God has laid on your heart for us to do. Would you give God another hand clap of praise as the man of God comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us? Amen. Come on, somebody say, God's in the house. Whatever you might need, you can have it. In the next few moments, everybody said amen to that. Let me say thank you for your intense worship and praise. Amen. It is the will of God. Everybody say, it is the will of God. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Amen. We're in week seven, if I'm not mistaken now. Seven is it's the first seven of many sevens, but seven is a key number in the Word of God. It's Shiva. Amen. And so it is a time of fullness and completion. Amen. In the Spirit. Everybody say, in the Spirit. We're going higher and higher. Amen, amen, amen. So much I'd like to say, but I'm going to cut it short. 
Amen. And just say what I feel like the Lord wants to say. Take your bishop and his wife. How many of you love your pastor and his wife? Love them very much. Very thankful that we've got to meet them a few years ago. And we're now here at the church. And to be linked up with him and them and you, amen, is an honor and a privilege. Amen. Amen. I hope you never forget the tremendous leadership that you have in your bishop. He's not only a great preacher. Someone say he is a great preacher. Not only is he a great singer. Tell somebody he is a great singer. Amen. Do you play music, musical instruments? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I guess he's a great musician too. Hallelujah. Like his wife. Amen. They are just literally... Amen. They're a dynamic duo that God has brought here in the will of God. Amen. And we are thankful for that. And I'm honored to be here with you. Look at somebody saying, you're here in the will of God. Amen. Some of you didn't say nothing. You know the rules. Look at somebody say, you, amen, are something else. Amen. Tell them you're the boom shakalaka. That's right, I am the boom shakalaka. Because I have been born again. I am a new creation. Amen. Stand to your feet. Tell somebody next to you there's a bunch of bad stuff I used to do. Amen. But that old person's a dead person. Tell somebody that person died years ago. Or weeks ago. Or days ago. When you were born again, amen, the old you repented or died. Amen, your first reaching out to God is called repentance. And it is in the scripture, it is typified of Calvary, the cross that Jesus died on. It's the brazen altar in the golden tabernacle, in the tabernacle plan. It's the place where it's set 32 feet wide, two feet wider than the door. You couldn't get around it. Tell somebody, I can't get around repentance. There I was slain. In your repentance, it's a painful moment when you realize, amen, that what you've been doing has not been making God very happy. Tell somebody, that's sin. Amen. But the answer to that is just repent. Amen. That's the simple answer. If you repent, repent, Brother Williams did it here the other night. You're walking one direction, and the Australian to do an about face is repent. I used to march in the high school band for four years, and man, we marched everywhere and marched at football games and made designs, and I don't know how we ended up doing it, but they gave us marching orders. Tell somebody they gave us marching orders. Amen. When you follow the plan, when you follow the orders, Amen. It's amazing what you can do. Tell somebody, it's amazing what we can do when we're marching for Jesus. So in your repentance, there is a death. You're dying out to your old nature, your old way of doing things. The drinking, the drugging, the partying, all the craziness. Everybody say the craziness. Look at your neighbor and say, we've been acting crazy tonight. But I ain't done no cocaine. I had to smoke the joint. 
Some of y'all ain't saying nothing. And I, am I preaching to you? Amen. You been sniffing? Amen. You ain't done no Coke. You ain't done no Jack Daniels. Everclear. Slitch malt liquor. Ain't been doing no Michelob Light. Ain't been doing no Budweiser or Coors. Amen. Boy, that all come back in my head. It slowly drifted in there. It's been a long time since I said that. Amen. Tell somebody I did some of that or all of that before I came to Jesus. Amen. But when you come to Jesus, amen, and he comes inside you, that, when, when you get Jesus in you, that takes care of the drinking and the drugging and the highs. And the, amen. Amen. It just takes care of it. So when you repent, saying I'm guilty God forgive me forgive me of all the things I've done that I knew was against you forgive me of things that I did that I didn't know was against you forgive me for it I want to change tell somebody I want to change amen and when you begin to say that in your own words however you say it and you mean it you have repented then the natural thing is if your repentance is a type of death so if you've died, then you've got to be buried. How are we buried? The Bible says we're buried with Christ in baptism. Why are we baptized? For the remission, the washing away of our sins. Amen. It's just a, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In Jesus' name. And they put you under the water and bring you up. That simple obedience to Scripture, an act of faith. God removes the sin you were born with and the sin you have committed. Come on, tell somebody, God removes our sins from us so far that He never remembers them again. Oh, my goodness. Hey, man, what a beautiful thing. Do you remember the night you were baptized or the day? Do you remember the pool or the baptismal tank or the river or the creek that somebody baptized you in? I remember it. Hey, man. 27th Street in Oklahoma City. 10.30 that morning, I stood up on that tank and looked down in it. I remember it. I'm trying not to be. I remember it. I remember it like it was last Sunday. Every time I get to talk about this, I just get lost in it. I remember looking over in that tank. From the top of the tank to the top of the water, it was a light blue color. But from the top of the water to the bottom of the tank, it was rusty, nasty. And in my mind, I did not know that water on steel will make it rusty. I had no clue. When I looked at that, I stood there at the top of that baptistry where Gilbert was getting baptized. I thought, oh my God. Look what the sins have done to this tank. I, before Jesus, I'm telling you the God's truth. I was 16 and stupid. Tell your neighbor that preacher was stupid. I mean, I didn't know. I thought, 
oh my God, I can swim here in the back row underwater. And I thought, man, I am keeping my eyes open when they put me under. All of a sudden, Brother Whalen caught my attention. Come on, Greg, come in. So I stepped down that old wooden rookie ladder. Stood there. He said, you ready? I had tears in my eyes. I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. Put your hand up on your nose. Hold your wrist with the other hand. You ready to baptize? I, yes, sir. He said, Greg Godwin, because you have already been filled with the Holy Ghost and you have repented of your sins, it is my honor to now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the blotting out of your sins. And when he said that, he said, I now baptize you in Jesus' name. When he went back my eyes, I felt like they were like, it felt like he went, held me under there for 15 seconds or 20 or something. But my eyes were open. I was looking at that steel. I was looking. And I come back up out of the water and it felt like, it felt like he just pulled me, just jerked me up out of the water. Man, I come up out of that water. Hands went up, tears crying and talking in tongues again. My dad asked me, did you see anything happen? Because I told him, I said, no, I didn't see anything, but I felt something. What happened? My sins were all washed away. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Amen. Look at somebody saying, now he hates that that bored you, but that's the real deal. When you are baptized in Jesus' name, your sins are removed and God never remembers them again. Now, if you, if you were perfect, all your life up to the time you got baptized, you know, you never drank, doped, smoked, snorted, sniffed, never cussed, cheated, lied, never got a spanking. I mean, you were just a perfect little human all your life. That's fine. You can just be deader than a hammer. But for the rest of us, boy, I'm telling you, when I thought that Jesus right that moment completely forgot about everything I had ever done wrong and I stood up in that tank tears running down my face just it was the most beautiful experience if you've never been baptized in Jesus name I challenge you amen it's the only way in the New Testament church they baptized after the day of Pentecost Acts 2.38 said repent and be baptized every one of you you can be seated in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the blotting out, the removal of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, there's a lot of people that tell you, well, the Holy Ghost is only for the 12 disciples. Tell your neighbor that was wrong as soon as you said it. Because when the first outpouring of the Holy Ghost happened, it wasn't just 12 apostles. They were there. Well, there was a hundred and, uh, well, there was 90 some more people there. And they all filled with the Holy Ghost. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Tell somebody, Mary, the mother of Jesus got the Holy Ghost. Tell somebody, why are you praying to Mary now? Come on, tell somebody, why are you praying to Mary Amen. Mary needed the Holy Ghost. Mary needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. 
Why? Tell somebody because she was a sinner. Amen. Amen, amen. And I'm thankful to be born again. Can you say amen? Let me read a text, Matthew 11 and 12, and 1 John 3 and 8. I'll run through my notes, and we'll let this go. Everybody say, we'll be out of here. 15 minutes, if you'll say amen quick. Amen. Pastor gave you the whole opportunity to shout this thing down. I mean, this man, I ain't ever been introduced to preach in 38 years of preaching. I ain't ever been introduced by the preacher like this man does. This man, come on, somebody. I mean, he gets up here, it don't matter where the worship service is, he comes in and throws a whole nother rick of wood. I mean, a pile of wood on the fire, strikes another match, blows on it, and flames it up and walks off the platform soaking wet. Tell somebody he's soaking wet. I mean, it come through his, I tell his jacket changed colors. Amen. Tell somebody we had a chance to blow this thing up. But God's got a little word for us. Amen. Amen. Matthew 11 and 12. I'm going to read from the King James Version right here. And from the days of John the Baptist, everybody say, until now. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. First John 3 and 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Tell your neighbor the enforcers are coming. Come on, tell somebody else, the enforcers are coming. Amen. What I want to say to you is that you are more than a Pentecostal. You are more than just a church member. When I see you, I see you as one body. Amen. Tell somebody, we are his enforcers. Amen. The Lord bless you and you may be seated. In scripture, the term son or sons of God are reserved and used exclusively for those who are sons by special creation, never by natural birth. Angels are called the sons of God because of their special creation. Adam, though fully human, was of special creation because he was formed from the dust of the ground but not by natural birth. Jesus was born of Mary, came through her, was conceived in Mary, came through her womb, but she had no earthly father. She was begotten of God. The Bible says the Spirit of God overshadowed Mary. Overshadowed means a hazy brilliance came upon her. Young teenage girl. She began to question, well, now, Lord, how's this going to happen? Seeing I've never known a man. I've never been intimate. Me and Joseph, had been, we engaged, but we ain't been playing around. The Lord said, that's the good news. Well, then she said, well, how am I going to have a baby if I've never known or been intimate with a man? And his response was, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you and you shall bring forth. Her word was, let it be unto me 
according to your word. The word there is logos, the manifested thought. Let that thought be in me. When the Spirit of God overshadowed her, when the hazy brilliance came on her, the Spirit of God impregnated Mary, if I can say it that way, by putting his seed, his word. Everybody say, God's word is his seed. And Mary became pregnant with a child. Now her, her aunt Elizabeth was pregnant already for three months. Go three months in time. Mary's now three months or so pregnant. She'd been checking. You know how you ladies do when they, you, you believe you're pregnant. You start looking in the mirror. Pushing your belly out trying to get a little show. Well, let's stay. It's, it's always push that far. It ain't showing nothing yet. Come back that night. You look. Mary was doing the same thing. She was looking. And, and she began to doubt. I mean, she had a supernatural experience. Joseph and her wasn't playing around on the side. She's like, I don't know if this is real or not. She got to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's showing six months pregnancy. And, and Mary starts talking to her. She said, Mary, why are you all down? Well, I need to tell you something, Aunt Elizabeth. What is it? Well, God talked to me the other day. Jehovah spoke to me. What did he say? And she goes through the story. She tells him. She said, he told me I was going to have a baby. She said, oh, no, Lord, I've never known a man. I've never been intimate. I ain't, uh-uh. I can't have a baby. He said, oh, no, that's the good news. Well, how am I going to have a baby if I've never known a man? And Aunt Elizabeth, he said, the Holy Ghost was going to overshadow me, and I would conceive and bring forth a child, a son. She said, what would you say? I said, let it be unto me according to thy Word. I don't know at what point in the statement it happened, but when she was talking, she was speaking to her Aunt Elizabeth, the Holy Ghost overshadowed me. Maybe it was right there, Elizabeth went, oh! Mary said, what, what happened? What happened? She said, Mary, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. Because when you said that, the baby that's in my womb kicked. And I'm telling you, you may not be showing right now, little Mary, but you will bring forth a child. God. God. Everybody say, God fathered his own son. Well, they were special creations. Why was he born of special creation? Well, long story short, what literally happened was with every child that was begotten up to Jesus' time, the sin of Adam was handed off. When the man, because man's Y chromosome is the determining factor. Everybody say, that's the determining factor. Amen. When the Y chromosome mixed with Mary's egg and caused conception, everybody say, at conception, there is blood. And where there is blood, there is life. And the Bible says, life of the flesh is in the blood. When that first cell appeared in Mary's womb, it went to two cells, to four, to eight, to 16, to 32, to 64, to 128. And I need to sometime count that out because I can't miss it after 128 doubling it but they begin to double and double and double and that baby's forming in her womb and she's looking and checking and there's no x-ray machines to get a picture she's just looking and she, I'm just what, what's special about it God became the first man everybody say God 
became the first man to be born in flesh. God. The first man, Adam, was of the earth earthy. But the second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, was of the heavens. The first Adam got us into our mess. But the second Adam got us out of our mess. Come on, tell somebody what Adam got you into. Tell them Jesus will get you out of it. Amen. We were born in sin. Tell somebody we were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity or self-will. But when I'm born again, tell somebody when I'm born again, I lay all of that down. I become literally a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Can you imagine getting up and not thinking, I need to smoke a cigarette? Can you imagine getting up and thinking, I need a quick little hit of Jack Daniels to get me going? Can you imagine getting going to bed and you don't need to smoke a joint to get you calmed down? Can you imagine not needing a cigarette or shoot up some drugs to get you to calm down? Amen. When you are born again, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Those who are born again of the water and spirit become the special creation. You are now new creatures. John 1 and 13 declares we're born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but we are born of God. Tell somebody when I'm born again, I am born of God. John 1 and 12, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become. To become what? Sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. The word sons of God here is monogenes theos. Monogenes. M-O-N-O-G-E-N-E-S-E-S. Monogenes theos. Mono is one. Genesis is genetics or generation. Theos is God. So literally, amen. The only, it literally means the only one of its kind. Or another generation or genetics of people. A new creation. Because you are born again. You become a son of God. You become a part of the monogenous theos. Tell somebody, when I was born again, I became a part of the monogenous theos. The only genetics of God. Amen. Ephesians 3 and 10, his intent was that now through the church, everybody say through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made to know the rulers and the authorities in heavenly realms. That's the NIV version. King James, King James version to the intent that now under the principality and powers of heavenly place might be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Amplified version says of verse 11, this is in accordance with the terms of the eternal and timeless purpose which he has realized and carried into effect in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 3, 11 and 12, according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ 
Jesus our Lord. So a short overview of the understandings of this purpose. Lucifer had preeminence in the heavens as the anointed cherub lost it through self-exaltation only to regain it in the Garden of Eden through Adam's obedience. How many of you have heard me say that little phrase about every week? How many of you heard that? Amen. So some of you ain't listening. Well, that's all right. Because I've been saying that point every weekend. Lucifer was the cherub the holy anointed angel, but he became the devil. Amen. He became the devil whenever he did not obey the word of God. It was through Adam's disobedience, amen, that now Lucifer takes rule and reign of this earth. Everybody say Lucifer's in charge of this earth. Amen. Now being in the prince and power of the air, the ruler of this realm, God now manifests himself in flesh. Comes into this realm legally. Tell somebody God came into this realm legally through human flesh. Tell somebody through human flesh. What difference does it make? Because when Satan entered this world, he came through a snake. God came through a man. Come on, somebody. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to violent defeat, disarm, and have dominion to regain as a man dominion over the earth. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Say, I am the way I am because God has forgiven me all my trespasses. How did he do it? Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. When God was in the flesh of Christ Jesus, he was not only nailed to the cross, but he took the sins of the whole world and nailed it to the cross. Can I tell somebody maybe that hadn't been born again, you might as well get ready to let go of your sin because God has already crucified it on his cross when he died having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it having spoiled literally means here the idea is that Christ Jesus has completely subdued our enemies by his death now we got Easter coming up this next week you got a great drama coming up remember this Christ has completely subdued our enemies by his death on the cross. With every whip that he took, 39 stripes save one. Every whip was for us. It was for our sins. A complete victory was achieved by his death so that everything is now in subjection to him and we have nothing to fear. Tell somebody you have nothing to fear because Jesus died in our place. Now I'm hurrying too close. Can I tell somebody? Can I tell? Amen. The young lady right down here in the pink on the third row, baby, you ain't got nothing to be afraid of. I just, the Holy Ghost just said that to me and I was looking at you. You don't have anything to look at to be afraid of because you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. God don't remember none of your past. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Tell somebody, I have been baptized into Christ. 
I have put on Christ and it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Principalities and powers literally means the formidable enemy stays standing that had held man in subjection, preventing our serving God. There can be no doubt. I think that the apostle refers to the ranks of fallen man, evil spirits, which had usurped a dominion over the world. But by his death, he wrestled the dominion from them, seized upon what they had captured as a conqueror seizes upon his prey. God seized control. The Bible says he made a show of them openly as a conqueror returning from victory displays in a triumphal procession the kings and princes whom he had taken, the spoils of victory. This was commonly done when a triumph, tell somebody a triumph, was decreed for a conqueror. On such occasions, sometimes it happened that a considerable number of prisoners were led along in the midst of the scenes of triumph. It was in the face of the whole universe that God displayed on this earth. Why? To gain great victory as achieved in the view of the universe by which Jesus Christ as conqueror dragged Satan and his legions at his triumphal car. Now ultimately in the old days when they would conquer a nation or a king, they would put the army in behind their, uh, their, their army and they would eat the dust, but they would put the king, tell somebody they would put the king at the very back at the very back of their army. So what does that mean? That means while there are, you know, two million Jews walking after victory of Jericho, the king is back in the back and he's eating their dust. I mean, you can't even see it. They, they, I mean, they, 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 he's got the king at the worst place of an of a army that's marching. That's at the back of the squad. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ has already defeated Satan? He is a defeated enemy. Look at somebody and say, don't be defeated by a loser. Don't be defeated by a loser. He triumphed over his foes. The triumph was affected by the atonement made for sin by Jesus Christ the Redeemer. The meaning of all this is that Jesus Christ has achieved for us such victory and has subdued all the foes of man. We should not be led captive, but should regard ourselves as free man. Look at somebody and say, you're a free man. We should not be made again the slaves of customs, of habits, of ritual observance, of superstition rites, superstitious rites, or anything, whatever that has its origin in the kingdom of darkness. We should not allow any hostile power in the form of philosophy, false teaching, or any kind to plunder or spoil us. Why? Because as a Christian, you're a free man. And Jesus Christ is the great captain, subdued all of our enemies. We should not allow them to again to set up their dark empire over our souls. Thank you, all five of you. So the argument of the apostle in the verses of Colossians 2, 13-15 is derived from what Jesus Christ has done for us. He mentions four things and I'm done. Number one, he has given us spiritual life. Tell somebody, I am a new creature in Christ. Number two, he has forgiven us all our trespasses. Number three, he has blotted out or abolished the ordinances that were against us. 
Number four, he has triumphed over all of our foes. We should not be made captive or subdued by any of the rites of superstition or of any influences of the kingdom of darkness. I feel like saying to somebody, if everybody will stand, I've never said this preaching, I'm going to say it now. I take dominion over every spirit that is trying to latch a hold of our new converts from your past. I take dominion over that. Their influence has been cut off from you. In the growth, you know, you've some of you have been saved so long you don't remember what it was like to be lost, and that's cool. But every now and then a flash comes to me. I don't know if it's just the Lord trying to help me or if it's the enemy coming up on me, but all I do is I remember. I remember the pull. Pull back. I remember Sunday afternoons we play football from 2 o'clock to 4.30. I played every Sunday. One day we got done. I walked right out the fence and they hollered at me. Hey, got one. Go out there and get that football. We left it out there. I looked out there across the field. Big, big whole field out behind the school. Probably 300 yards. I ran through there. I get it. And I ran out there. I could run quick. Man, I got the ball. Turned around and looked back. And every car was gone. I kind of laughed. I said, oh, they'll be back. They're playing trick on me. So I ran back to the fence, looked down the street, ran down another block, looked down the street. Fifteen minutes passed, and I thought, these suckers. They left me out here. I walked seven and a half miles to my pastor's house. Knocked on his door. He opened the door. He's dressed for church, ready to go to church. He said, Greg, what's going on? I was crying. I was sweaty. I said, Brother Waylon, I said, I don't know. I said, I need to call my dad. What's going on, Greg? I said, all the guys left me out there playing football. He said, they did what? They left me. I was crying. Greg, they shouldn't have done that. I called dad. I said, Dad, I'm at Brother Waylon's house. What are you doing there? You know, the guys all left me out there playing football. They just... Left a ball out in the field, had me run, go get it. And I ran out across the field to get it. And when I got picked the ball, it turned around. Everybody was gone. Waited 15, 20 minutes. Nobody was there. I'll be right there, Greg. About 15 minutes, he pulled up, put me in the car. And for six months, I couldn't not go to church because every time the doors opened, Dad and Mom had me at church. I was 15. But I'd sit there in that seat. I wouldn't do nothing sing in the choir didn't clap my hands I was hurt I had been offended the enemy was trying to retake control I'd go out I'd try to after church's over I had a, my dad's Thunderbird had white and it's a town land down white and red stripe down the side or burgundy Burgundy interior, burgundy half roof, chrome strip going on the top. It was, you could let the wheel down, it'd tip way over, and I'd let the seat down drive like that. I drove out to 59th Street in Pennsylvania into the parking lot, eased up in there, let my wheel all the way up, click. I got somebody say, I see you, the rest of you, what are you talking about? Put my wheel up. 
me and Mike Freeman, we'd get out the car. We'd be out there and them guys would go to drinking. I never drank, I never drank one time. Thank you, Jesus. Because I was an athlete. I was, it didn't really have anything to do with Jesus. First off, I was an athlete. Athletes didn't drink, I thought. Athletes didn't smoke, didn't dip, chew. And the first time I seen Walt Garrison commercial, he's about Copenhagen, smuggly head, Copenhagen, paint your cheek and gum, give you full tobacco flavor. I almost flipped out his car. I said, what? He don't do that. They said, oh, yeah, God. they got to fussing with me for a couple of days. And I was just, you got to be kidding me. Well, I'd go out there with all the guys. There wasn't no church people out there. There'd be four or 500 young people out there in cars. They'd be drinking the stuff. Uh, about 35, 40 minutes. They'd start cussing and they'd start pushing and fighting. Night we was out there and they hollered, Mike Freeman. One of the guys was good and drunk. Almost said his name. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me. I didn't say his name. <laughs> but he reached out for Mike. Mike, he said, Greg, Greg. I took, I was about 15 feet from my car. I said, come on, Mike. Click, click, hit the button and popped the door. Whoosh, we pulled out. They were slapping at the back of his truck. I went out there one more time. During the six months, I was offended. Church people left me. They left me out there. And it hit me one night when Brother Whalen was preaching. These people in this church didn't save me. These people in this church didn't, they didn't forgive me of my sins when I prayed. When I got baptized that Sunday morning, looking down into that tank, I was thinking that rusty tank, and I kind of giggled at myself. I said, there wasn't nobody up there when I got baptized. They were all out in their pews. Brother Wayland baptized me. And God washed my sins away. And I remembered three nights before at camp, Friday night, I got the Holy Ghost and I started thinking. It's been about six months. I got up and came to the altar that night and lifted my hands, praying. Got a refill of the Holy Ghost and just said, I forgive everybody for being idiots. They don't know how good I am. They shouldn't be an idiot. And that's the way I did it. I mean, I'm, I'm, you shouldn't have left me. I couldn't drive a car then. You left me out here. You left me afoot, and I walked seven miles through bad neighborhoods. Called my dad. He had to come get me, take me back home, clean up. We walked into church late, but we went to church. I stayed ticked off for six months. Why? Because of what saved people did. But I had to make my mind up as a young man. Nothing. Nothing. Tell somebody nothing is going to keep me from going to heaven. Stand with me. I'm sorry. Stand with me. Tell somebody he ruined those notes. <laughs> But I'm in the Holy Ghost for some folks. Amen. You stand with me and make your way down here to this altar. Amen. Tell somebody the enforcers are coming. It began to hit me about that time. 
began to get what I realized was revelation. I went to Bible school about a year later and it all came to me and I remembered that night Brother Wayden was preaching. Oh my God. When I got the Holy Ghost, I became a member. The word member means a limb or a part of the body of Christ. Tell somebody you are born again, but you are not alone. You've got Jesus Christ in you. And then reach out and grab them and say, and you're connected to me. Oh, glory to God. You are connected to me. Look at somebody say, don't let anything offend you. So the whole point of the text is, the sermon is that the enforcers are coming. You are now the enforcers. Everywhere you go, starting tonight, the restaurant you go to, the gas station you go to, to get gas or get whatever you need, there are people in there. And you have the opportunity. Tell somebody, I have the opportunity to impact these people. So now we got seven days till Easter. Seven days. A lot of stuff happened that final week before Jesus died. A lot of stuff. So what's going on this week? Just think about Calvary. Think about the buildup. Think about before they actually got him under control and they got him in his jail cell. Think about what was going on before he got whipped, before he got tied to the whipping post. He's days away. Pastor is talking about the full house Sunday that'll be completely full. What a beautiful service it will be. But when they are here, you are the enforcers. Amen. Grab somebody's hand next to you. Jesus, what a great day you have given us. What a great service we had with you this morning, those that were touched, the hundreds of kids that were here. For the first time, some of them felt some happiness and joy they haven't ever felt. People were here in the service. They felt you. They sensed you. They heard our singing and our worship. They heard the preaching of your word. And Some were filled with the Holy Ghost. Others were touched. Other people thought, man, I've never seen something like this. Now, God, in these seven days before Easter, we give ourselves to being your enforcers. Because that's what you've done. You have allowed us to be born again. Therefore, we have been baptized into Christ. We have put on Christ, and it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are now your body. I'm praying, God, this next seven days that we'll, we will be sensitive to people around us at work, people in the grocery store, people at the gas station, people at the post office, to neighbors when they see us in the yard, they'll sense something different. They will say something's different about them, not just because the way they look, but there's something in them. They don't know it, but it's you in us working out of us. Come on, squeeze those hands. 
In the name of Jesus, touch, 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 touch. Touch people we're around, people in the building with us, people in the office with us. Touch them, Jesus. Let them sense the resurrection power in us this week. These next four weeks, God, give us a mighty influx of souls. In the name of Jesus, anoint our outreach, anoint our efforts, anoint our prayers, anoint our studies, anoint our times together, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Because the enforcers are coming. We pray in Jesus' name. Because somebody say in Jesus' name. Now lift that neighbor's hand. I want you to pray for them in your own words. Come on, pray for them right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on all over this house right now. Somebody open up your mouth. The Holy Ghost is here right now. Come on, lift up your voice in this sanctuary. You gave me my hands to reach out to man to show him your love and your perfect plan. You gave me my ears. I can hear your voice so clear. I can hear the cries of sinners. Can I wipe away their tears? Come on, talk to them tonight. You gave me my voice to speak your word, to sing all your praises to those who've never heard. But with my eyes I see a need for more availability. I see hearts that have been broken, so many people to be free. Come on now, tell him tonight. Uh, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. Do use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say my storage is empty and I am available. Come on, can you talk to them for the next few moments? Come on. Giving back to you all the tools you gave to me. My hands, my ears, my voice, my eyes. You can use them as you please. I have emptied out my cup. So that you can feel it up. Now I'm free. I just want to be more available to you. Somebody pray that prayer tonight. Come on. Lord, I'm available to you. Woo. 
my will I give to you I'll do what you say do use me Lord to show someone the way and enable me to say I'll say my story come on somebody pray right now somebody pray Somebody pray right now. Come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus, lift up your voice. Now I'm giving back to you all the tools you gave to me. My hands, my ears, my voice, my eyes. You can use them as you please. I have emptied out my cup so that you can fill it up now I'm free I just want to be more available to you come on all over this house Lord I'm available to you you my will I give to you I'll do what you say to use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say, I'll say my story. Jesus. Come on, if that's how you feel tonight all over this building, come on, for just the next few moments, come on, for the next few moments, lift your voice, tell him. Come on, uh, Lord, uh, I'm available to you, you, my will I give to you, I'll do what you say to use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say. And I am available to you. Come on, tell them tonight. My storage is empty. And I am available to you. My storage is empty. And I am available. You can use anything, Lord. You can use. Come on, somebody talk to him tonight. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Lord, take my hand. Take my hand, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, lift your voice, sing it. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Somebody say, if you can use anything, Lord, 
you can use me Lord take my hands take my hand Lord take my touch my heart Lord speak through me if you can use anything Lord you can use me come on before we leave this house tell him you can use anything Lord you can use me oh, oh, oh. can use anything Lord you can use me Lord take my hand take my hand Lord take my feet touch my heart Lord speak through me you can use anything Lord can use me come on all over this house come on you can use anything Lord you can use me I'm available to you you can use anything Lord you can use me hey, hey, hey. take my hand Lord take my Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. You can use anything, Lord. Come on, one more time all over this sanctuary from the bottom of your heart. Tell him, come on. Um, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Hey, oh, you can use me. Use anything, Lord, you can use. Lord, take my hand, take my hand, Lord, take my feet, touch my heart, Lord, speak through me.